This is a National Arts Center podcast. Find more great NAC podcasts on the performing arts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Center on iTunes and subscribe for free. Welcome to this episode of the National Arts Centre NACOcast series. My name is Sean Rice and I am the second clarinetist with the National Arts Centre Orchestra. This week we have the Pina Bausch Dance Company with conductor Joanna Carnero at the NAC for a performance of Igor Stravinsky's ballet, The Rite of Spring. As an orchestra musician, it is such a joy to get the chance to perform this work. When we study at conservatories and universities, one of the most memorable moments is learning about and studying Stravinsky's ballets. It is such a treat this week that we get to perform this work with such a wonderful dance company. Maestra Carnero has been kind enough to join us today to talk about this week's performances. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Sean. So, where are you from? I am from Lisbon. I am Portuguese. Okay. And oh, we don't often get many Portuguese conductors passing through here. This is exciting. So, are you still based there? I am. I lived uh, in Lisbon until I was 21, and mm-hmm. then I went to the States to study uh, at Northwestern and University of Michigan, Okay. and then I went to Los Angeles to work. I was first uh, music director of uh, of the Young Musicians Foundation Debut Orchestra, which is a pre-professional orchestra, mm-hmm. and then I was the assistant conductor with uh, LA Chamber Orchestra, and then oh, with the wow. LA Phil. Really? The LA yes. Phil? Yes. So oh, I was, uh, it was the last years of Esapeca, uh, okay. Salonen there. So I was uh, his assistant for four years. How exciting. I'm that was like, so jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was really wonderful. And I, I, for me, that was the last uh, great opportunity to learn really mm. as a student who, who was there um, facing excellence uh, every day. An I mean, the musicians, orchestra. the music director, the, the staff, uh, programming, the hall, the because hall so uh, the orchestra was already at yeah. Walt Disney Concert Hall, the audience, and I really learned a great deal about what um, it means to be uh, an orchestra in the 21st century and the music director in the 21st How century. Exciting. Wow, what, a, what an awesome experience. And then I, I went back to, to, and then I went back to Portugal okay. um, in 2009, 10, and of course, I'm based in Lisbon and I travel a great deal, mm-hmm, but, uh, and since then I've become uh, principal conductor of the National Symphony in Portugal. Congrats. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, I'm also music director of the Berkeley Symphony in California. So okay. I do travel. <laughs> I do travel. That's quite almost a bit halfway plus. around the world, yes. isn't it? <laughs> well, yes, yes, yes. So, um, and then I, I travel um, to guest conduct other orchestras. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Cool. When you, you said University of Michigan. Who did you study there? I studied with Ken Kiesler. We have a very strong connection with Ken Kiesler here at the NAC. He was uh, the conductor in residence for our summer program for many, many years. That's quite cool to hear that. Um, Is this your first time working with the Pina Bausch company? It is my first time. So when you met them, we were meeting them as well for the first time in the pit. Is that right? Yes. It was the first time that I met them uh, in person. Mm -hmm. We did have uh, a meeting via Skype. They really tried for us to meet in Germany when I was in Europe uh, throughout the year and then that I could go to New York. They really wanted me to um, be with them physically, but because I was on maternity leave, mm. it was difficult. So we did meet via Skype. So it was the first time that we met 
here. Okay. I mean, the, the, the same mm-hmm. time the orchestra met them, yes. Right. So and what is that like? I mean, I, I'm sure our listeners find that interesting, that first-time conductor w- with a, an orchestra with, with us. We've never worked together before as an orchestra with you. And this dance company is showing up on stage for the first time, and we're going to put a show together in two days. Yes. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, um, it is, except, first of all, the orchestra is fantastic and um, and so well prepared. And the same thing for the, the company. So, uh, of course, in theory, it seems crazy, mm-hmm. but in rehearsal and and when we did it it didn't it didn't seem so crazy because everyone was i felt was so well prepared and and really trying trying to make it, make it a beautiful mm. statement of art um um so the impact was just wonderful uh i have to say that i had seen the choreography mm-hmm. before so i had an idea of what they wanted not only in terms of um visual cues but also tempi Tempos, because yeah. they mm-hmm. we we talked a lot about that uh in our meeting in our skype meeting mm-hmm. and of course when you're conducting ballet uh music making is such a physical thing it's so connected to dancing and moving and mm-hmm. uh, this visceral physical thing that you have to move when you play an instrument you have mm-hmm. to move when you hear a song or a piece of music and um uh when you're conducting music you have to be very aware of the physicality of the instruments of mm-hmm. the of the the musicians who are breathing and playing the instruments but also the dancers if they are dancing because if we uh, play at a tempo that might feel perfect for us, but it's impossible to dance at for mm-hmm. certain choreographies. It makes their lives very difficult. I have to say, as a conductor, and I conduct uh, mostly symphonic concerts, but a great deal of opera, mm-hmm. and not so much ballet. Uh, the reason why is because I find it the most difficult of the, of yeah. the crafts mm-hmm. because of, of that. And especially when you have different casts, uh, if you're playing the same piece with different casts uh, f- for multiple nights, sometimes mm-hmm. it gets very difficult very. to adjust uh, every night to the needs of the dancers. So I do conduct ballet, but I've I've drifted uh, towards more contemporary ballet than the, um, Tchaikovsky's ballets mm-hmm. and so forth because of that. So speaking of that, uh, contemporary <laughs> versus tr- uh, the classical ballet, the classic ballets. I shouldn't say classical, but the classic ballets. Um, <clears throat> Whether people know or not, this ballet was written in the early 20th century. It was one of Stravinsky's breakout moments mm-hmm. and uh, premiered in France, uh, in Paris, where there was a possible riot. <laughs> maybe staged or maybe not. There's, there's still debate. But it's uh, <clears throat> the, the, the riot being this piece has a real contemporary, real um, edge to it that probably hadn't been seen in a lot of ballets up to that point. Um, there's this primal energy, this visceral, you use the word visceral, but there is a real visceral quality to this ballet. What what are your feelings on this ballet compared to more classic ballet? Because you mentioned Tchaikovsky, but Stravinsky, yes. this is, this oh. is there's something raw about this, but, but also sure. incredibly exciting and, and beautiful, I find, about this music. Uh, yes. Well, and uh, 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 I've conducted a lot of uh, Stravinsky's ballets, uh, Firebird, Petrushka, mm. w- uh, which were the two ballets that he wrote before. Um, that he premiered Mm -hmm. before uh, Rite of Spring. Um, And 
I've 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 conducted a lot of Stravinsky uh, um, pieces that he wrote afterwards. A lot of his, his neoclassical mm-hmm. pieces, very different, uh, so different. <laughs> and then his later period pieces like Danse Concertante. Mm-hmm. The, the, the music um, just changed so much. Even though you can feel uh, that sense of rhythm, meter, yeah, absolutely. and mm-hmm. uh, um, yes, that that you have since the beginning. Um, the, Rite of Spring, every time I conduct it and every time I hear it, and I remember the first time I heard it because I was um, in class, composition class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I did think that, by the way, I, I was telling Christopher, uh, the principal bassoonist mm. of the orchestra, that I, the first time I heard it, I thought it was a saxophone. <laughs> and not a bassoon. Oh, I like that. I want to know how he reacted. <laughs> <laughs> he was very kind. He said, maybe oh. it was. <laughs> He's very kind, but you know, I was so young. I was, I think, twelve or thirteen, and I had never heard this music. And mm-hmm. I just thought, "Wow, that instrument in the orchestra!" And I had been studying uh, music for a while. Mm. Uh, but anyway, I remember that it. I was trained very much in in the classical period mm-hmm. with Mozart early Beethoven, that was how uh, children were trained uh, musically in the conservatories in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then there was this class later on, by the age of 13, 14, called contemporary music. <laughs> and of course, Stravinsky was, and Rite of Spring was considered contemporary music. Which is not which at all is contemporary not at anymore. All. <laughs> Even in the 80s, I, yeah. I, would, I would argue that it wasn't. Well, it's interesting because this piece really did push the envelope of what was considered standard for instruments. That opening bassoon solo at the time may have been the hardest thing ever written exactly. for bassoon. Now, you know, you go to universities and 18-year-olds are popping those solos up because they know they have to know it. True. It's, yeah. Yes, yes. But anyway, I remember it was very different from anything that I had heard and I uh, and I I could start start to understand why, especially because we did analyze it and this uh feeling of experimentation mm. that somebody who had written pieces that are much more romantic in style we have to say yeah. that i mean firebird is very much like that oh, it's but lush. even yeah. but even right of spring does have that mm-hmm. in the introduction of the second part but pieces that are more romantic let's say that for uh, in lack of a, a better word mm-hmm. and right of spring does have a sense of meter that is completely different experimental this writing in blocks mm-hmm. r- uh, rather necessarily than a uh, horizontal kind of writing. I agree, yeah. And uh, the f- the fact that he... Uh, and in Petrushka, I already feel that a little bit, but the fact that you have different cells, let's call cells, musical cells, going on at the same time, mm-hmm. juxtaposed, but very much the uh, this sense of um, uh, changes in meter uh, and a vertical sense of um, one block of music followed by another block of music. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard even and 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 uh, analyzed um, anything like that in music. So I remember, even for me, because I was so trained in the classical period, uh, that to me was uh, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting to think now, like when when we first approach music like that, when, uh, there is that block mentality. But once you get into it and you kind of assimilate it, you're able to take those blocks and feel them, then feel them horizontally, exactly. linearly. It's a wonderful moment when that. When that clicks in a musician's head, I find because yes. Stravinsky with this, it's it's so gorgeous. I love how you brought up the cellular uh, motivic structure of a lot of this, and it, because when he changes the meters, suddenly there's that extra sixteenth note in a bar, whether it's a rest <laughs> or a note, and it's wait, like wait, that's the same material from the bar before, but 
but it's not. It's a variation. <laughs> no, he does play yeah. with variation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, that was my first impression. But in conducting it, especially the sacrificial dance at the end, the only way to really do it is if you think horizontally. Mm-hmm. Because if you're counting too vertically, it's very easy to uh, get lost and, 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 and make a mistake. Well, because you're you start to just, feel the bar lines, too. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So if you if you if you feel and feel the music horizontally and w- phrase it, mm-hmm. I think it makes things a little bit uh, easier and more organic. Mm. I, I think that's how I now uh, see this music, even though from an analytical point of view, yes, indeed, mm. uh, we have that block construction. Uh, as a performer now, I, I do tend to try and, and, and play it more horizontally and, and see it more, especially the m- more rhythmical mm-hmm. uh, parts, which may seem like a contradiction, but it, I think that's the only way they can work um, so that they don't sound too... Um, S- stuck. Stuck, yeah, I agree exactly. With you. Yeah, no, that's the only exactly. word I can think of. <laughs> yes. um, so with with regards to this company's interpretation, I'm stuck underneath the stage. I can't see a darn thing. <laughs> what, what what do you think of their interpretation of this work? Well, I think it's beautiful. It's a uh, it's let's say it's a classical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, Pina Bausch's. It's, this piece is part of the repertory. Of course, it's yeah. so beautiful. It's so visceral. The fact that we have soil. It's it's. Uh, I think it goes really to the core of what this piece is, which is something that is brought from the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, there is literally oil. Soil, sorry, soil <laughs> on the stage. It's flying off the stage yes, at points. Yeah, towards is, the instruments is, of the orchestra. This I'm is afraid. a real, real production. <laughs> yeah, so it's. I feel it's very organic and yeah. uh, and uh, and connected to this feeling of earth and mm. connection to the to nature and ritual and. Um, uh, it's quite pagan in its dance. Yeah, and pagan, yes, it, it, for, it, sure, it, yeah. for sure, yeah, for sure, yeah. I, I wish I could see it. It's, I'm, it's I really go quite beautiful. I should the video they did of it, but like mm. I, I would love to see it in in concert. It's the double-edged sort of love mm-hmm. wanting to play it and wanting to see it. <laughs> yes. I'm sure Stravinsky and uh, Diaghilev would be extremely excited to yeah. see this. Well, it's 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 very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm totally fascinated by Stravinsky's ballets because I think it was such a turning point. I mean, not just me. It's, it's well documented. We learn about it in school, but it's such a turning point for mm-hmm. uh, Western music. And how how contemporary music happened afterwards? It kind of it kind of lit up Paris, and Paris and and, st- and started to become that kind of hub of contemporary repertoire, which was, you know, it's so important to look back now. We look at the last century, and you have the the French school with the ensemble intercontemporain and leading the leading the charge of contemporary music with Pierre Boulez, and you know the impact they had was directly um, a result of. Stravinsky. I mean, Pierre Boulez talks about the Rite of Spring from Stravinsky as being something that was a was an important moment for him, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's says a lot when a man like that would say. <laughs> of course, yeah. and you know, uh, Boulez's interpretation is the reference for uh, the Pina Bausch Company. Yes. By the way, I had the privilege of playing it with him while I was a student. <gasps> I was oh, the highlight you mean of my life. Rite of Spring. I played the bass oh! clarinet Rite of Spring with 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 Maestro Boulez. I am so I humbled a... now. No, no. <laughs> No, it was. It was. I. I was humbled by it. It was such a such a treat to to hear what he had to say about it because he talked so much, and we we were students, so we could rehearse a lot. It was kind of a real learning of, of information. And it's very interesting because uh, now that I've learned the piece and I've conducted it uh, mm-hmm. a few times, and when they sent the when the the, the company Pina Bausch uh, Dance Company uh, sent me the the recording, it was very interesting because Boulez does take some. Um, Freedom, yes, and and he does interpret yeah. some. It it it's very interesting. So it's it's wonderful 
the, why I say this is because music of modern times, because Rite of Spring is not a contemporary piece. Not sure. anymore. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 not I at all. I agree. But music of modern times is often seen as something that uh, lacks uh, emotion. And I think it's absolutely the, the contrary. I, I think agree great completely. music, mm-hmm. great music is about... Um, you know, all music is about mm-hmm. um, uh, it's the art of sharing who we are through sound, mm-hmm. our emotions, who we are um, in history, what point we are. It's a reflection of who we are. And uh, when it's great music, it's just um, um, we should be able to uh, bring that to, to an interpretation. And Boulez, in his interpretation of Rite of Spring, because I listened so carefully because of the Tempe and so mm-hmm. forth, it's very interesting that he does, um, uh, he performs it like any piece of 100 200 years ago mm-hmm. like we would do it there's there's real there's a real emotional aspect yes, to it for i agree sure. yeah for sure and i think he well i digress a bit but that's what he taught a lot when we would do con- real contemporary like works written of this day when we were studying with him he was he was like you have to play it like it's you would play mozart yes you have to understand it well enough so that you can translate it that way not just interpret what's on the page. And and that's very important, especially when we're premiering pieces. And sometimes uh, I premiere a lot of pieces. Mm. And sometimes uh, most of the, the music will not stay. That's just mm-hmm. how it is in mm-hmm. history. Um, it's too much in it, a way. <laughs> uh, that's how it was yeah. in the time of Mozart, Beethoven, mm-hmm. maybe only five to ten be- uh, uh, composers uh State. I mean, yeah. for posterity, that's the yeah. music that we play today. And so most of what we premiere today and play today by contemporary composers may not be remembered in two, three hundred years. And mm-hmm. the, that doesn't mean necessarily that it's not great, but sometimes we don't understand the music and we always have to respect it and bring something that is human, that uh, uh, has a, uh, a degree of emotion and a mm-hmm. degree of, um, uh, I like to say, realism. Well, I think our audiences are definitely in for a treat of that with this production. I mean, it's yes, as you said, sure. it's not contemporary anymore, but it's it's reached its maturity in time with where any orchestra that plays it now knows how they want to play it, I find. It's, yes. it, it's there's such a history and pedigree to this work now. Yes, I think it's not yeah. contemporary, but it always sounds shocking. Yes. Like yeah. Beethoven 9, actually, sound, you, you just played it. Mm-hmm. I just performed it last week as well. I also opened the season with oh, Beethoven nice. 9. And it, I mean, compared to the other eight symphonies, it's shocking. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, composers it's... after him were stumped. They write about it. They were like, I understand how do you... why Brahms yeah. took so long to, right, to, to write, write the four. version. <laughs> <laughs> but they also, they all, they all, you, you even hear about Strauss writing and Wagner talking about the Great Symphony, and that was always in reference to the Ninth of Beethoven, that what do you do after the structure has been yes. blown up that way? <laughs> yes, so uh, it's not contemporary, but it always sounds shocking. And yep. it's how I feel about Rite of Spring and a few other pieces in the history mm. of music. Excellent. Well, we're we're really excited to play it. Um, let's talk about what's coming up next for you. What, you you're 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 a new mom yes. as well, right? That must be incredibly, incredibly challenging traveling with children and conducting and leading these orchestra rehearsals. I I <laughs> have massive respect. I don't know how Thank you, you do it. Thank <laughs> you kind of you. Well, so are, are you are you taking some time off, or are you still going to conduct a ton right now? I uh, next week I open the season in, in Berkeley in California. So no, break. <laughs> no, and then I go back to Lisbon, and uh, then I go to Ireland, and then I take a week off, and then I go to Helsinki to wow. work with the Helsinki Phil, uh, and then I go to Royal Stockholm um, to work with them in in late November, beginning of December. So it is. Um, I have 
I have t- I have taken a little bit of more time, and I mean I didn't work for a year because mm. I'm a new mom of triplets, so I wow. did have to <laughs> to be home for a long time during yeah. the the pregnancy, and uh, I'm learning to deal with everything. Uh, I think most parents understand what I say, <laughs> <laughs> even of one or or two, but I think uh, uh, um, it's it's um it's a challenge to come back to work when you're so connected to your children for such mm. a long period of time. They were born eight months ago. So uh, I do love music and I do love what I do. And it's 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 going to be interesting to find out how I, I balance this. But I just started. You, you know, seem few like weeks you're ago, balanced. So, uh, you brought a ton of energy the first rehearsal. <laughs> you're very kind. You're very kind. But it's it's not, it's it's a challenge. I'm not mm. going to say it's very easy because of the, the schedules and the sleep deprivation. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, but I mean, it's a, a great challenge. And, and I feel that um, it's a great privilege to do what I do with the great uh, musicians that I do. So I just... Um, have it's a responsibility that I have to find a way to make mm. it work for well sure. it's really really great you could take the time to do this thank you I know you're thank really you. really busy and we're really excited to perform this with you the next three nights thank you and I uh, look forward to hearing more about your career thank in, you very much Sean. thanks thank you this has been a National Arts Center podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media send us your comments and questions Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store, where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at necpodcast.ca, or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.